Welcome back to this week's episode of The American Landman. I am your host, Neil Hogger, land specialist with Whitetail Properties Real Estate. And you found The American Landman podcast where we talk about buying, managing, and selling American land. Well, every now and then, I open up my email and it's not filled with a bunch of junk that I got to spend an hour deleting. And I get an email from one of you guys out there. And this week, I got an email from a gentleman named Matt Thomas, and Matt is a listener of the podcast, and he said, hey, I've been uh, listening to your podcast for a while, and I'm uh, active duty military, about to get off the active duty track into the civilian world. I'm a landowner. I'm an investor, and he told me a little bit about himself on the email and said, hey, I'd love to come on your podcast sometime and share my story, and the more I thought about it and started having a couple quick little interactions with him uh, via text and email. I thought, man, this is a great story because Matt is probably the age of a lot of you guys out there that are listening to this podcast. Uh, He's 28 years old and his story is rather unique because I can actually see myself in Matt's shoes because I also was an active duty military. And by the age of 28, Matt has a home. He's got a rental property. He's got a uh, piece of hunting land. And he did it while he was on active duty. And he talks about all the things that he's doing to kind of set himself for generational wealth. And he's putting himself on a track that I'm I'm just to my to me, it's he's light years ahead of his age. He's light years ahead of most Americans, no matter what age. And I thought it was just going to be a great story, a great conversation to have him on and talk to him about what he's doing, because he's just doing a lot of good things. Uh, so I'm going to get him on the show here. Uh, Matt, again, is a active duty military. He's leaving the Air Force very soon. He'll be civilian. But his story of investing and how he's doing it is something you're going to want to take a listen to, whether you're a young guy or an old guy. I hope you enjoy this conversation. But before we do, I want to introduce a brand new sponsor of the show, and that is Acres.co, soon to be Acres.com. And it's a software tool that I've been using now that's really in-depth. And they are now a sponsor of the show, and we're going to add them to the lineup of all our great sponsors. So we're going to make mention of them, And but I want you to check them out. Go to acres.com, look at this software. There's a basic level free service that you can kind of check them out if you're a landowner or if you're looking at a piece of land. But if you want to get into it a little bit deeper, maybe size up to the next uh, $300 a uh, year membership, which is what I'm using. It's a fantastic software with lots of information. So we'll hear from them and the other sponsors, then we'll get right back to the show. Folks, I am Neil Hogger. I'm a land specialist with Whitetail Properties Real Estate, and this is the American Landman Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vitalize Seed. Cycle nutrients the way nature intended. The Packer Max HD Calta Packer Crimper. 100% of your seed goes down, 100% of your seed comes up. Landgate, data, intelligence, and marketplace for land and its resources. First Products Grain Drills, maker of the multi-drill. Quality, precision, durability. And lastly, acres.com. Explore and value land with confidence. And now, back to the show. And Matt, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, Neil. Uh, Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's tell the audience a little bit about how we came to be because you're a listener. And first off, thank you very much. Uh, I honestly don't un, I don't even know how many people listen to these podcasts, but it seems to be growing. And I like to bring guys like you on because this is going to be a real conversation that we haven't had before, right? Because we don't know each other. Right. <laughs> no, and, yeah. I actually just reached out to you last night. So. Yeah. And gave me a little bit of detail. So I kind of know where we're going because you're, you are a new American landman. And we're going to talk about how you found a piece of property and maybe some of the lessons. And And I thought you had a cool story that I haven't even heard, but I know this is going to be interesting already. And I think that's how people learn. So we'll just hear your story yeah. and we'll see where it goes. Okay. Well, yeah, Neil, uh, thanks again for, for putting on the podcast. Uh, uh, I know for me, it's, it's really good to hear different stories of of guys that that want the American dream and want to own land, and um, I just appreciate you putting it on, and I appreciate inviting me out to uh, to talk with you. Yeah, well, it was my pleasure. I actually came up with this idea like three years ago. I started thinking, you know, I've had so many calls from people that want to buy land or have bought land or are selling land, and I kind of heard this, you know, universal feeling from buyers saying, "I can't find anything to buy," or in the process of buying, they would say, I never, I never knew there was a guy like you that helped do this stuff. And, 
And so I just kind of thought, I maybe I should podcast about this. And then since then, you know, my podcast came out and um, I'll give him a plug, Jake Hofer, The Land Podcast. You guys should listen to that as well. He's a good friend of mine. Um, he, he came out ahead of me. And uh, since then, there's a couple out there, but we'll see who has a stay in power. But uh, it's it's been a it's been fun project. And I'm just honestly blown away by the people that call me and say they listen. So thank you yeah. for listening. Yeah, Oh, for sure. For sure. So let's start off with, uh, let's tell the guys a little bit who you are. So you're, uh, you're in Mississippi and you're active duty military. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, graduated from Mississippi state, um, with a bachelor's in business management in 2017. Um, really had no idea what I wanted to do, uh, with my life and ended up joining the air force in 2018. Um, went off to Texas for training for a little while. Um, then got stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky in 2020, uh, moved, bought a house, used the VA loan. That's another thing we could talk about how, how easy it is for veterans and active duty guys to, to buy a house with the VA loan. Um, and then I've been at Fort Campbell since 2020 and I will be moving back to Mississippi, uh, the June of this year, uh, when I transition into the Mississippi National Guard. Outstanding. So are you, uh, enlisted or officer? I am enlisted. Uh, the officer route for the job that I wanted to do uh, would have been about a two-year waiting period, and I needed some stability in my life. I was working just hourly, doing some contracting stuff, um, and wanted to start a family and had no idea about insurance, benefits, uh, anything like that. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to join the military and, and see where it goes from here, and um, I've had a blast so far. Yeah. Well, that's not a bad route. I mean, I was military too. Um, I spent 12 years in the Navy and, and I served in the Marine Corps too as a medic. I've said that a couple of times as a devil doc, 8404 <laughs> devil doc. But, oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I liked the military. I had a great time and I can kind of remember, see, I served back in, this is where I'm really going to date myself, but I enlisted in April of 1984 and I got out, I had a little broken service. Um, I got out and then I got back in and then I was in reserves and I think I got out one more time. Then I got back in. And so all told, I've got, I've got 12 years of service. Um, I did apply for a commission as an aerospace physiologist officer and I got a graduate. Yeah. I got a, well, it's a fancy name for probably a gym (laughs) gym teacher for pilots, but, uh, but, (laughs) but yeah, it was pretty cool. I got a graduate degree in exercise physiology and kind of focus on cardiac rehabilitation and I always wanted one of those choker white uniforms with the shoulder boards and Oh yeah. But I don't know. Just didn't work out. They were kind of jer- <laughs> they were kind of jerking me around. I kind of felt like I've I was enlisted and it, I always yeah. say this if if I I was enlisted and it, and I was a good soldier, a good sailor, I guess. And I really got into it. I was fit, and I was educated, and I used to tell them, you know, you guys are making me jump through all these hoops because I'm enlisted first. But if I was just right. some college kid and I walked into the office, you'd be signing me up like as quickly as you could get my hand up in the air and say I do. But oh yeah. So oh I, yeah. So I copped a little little attitude, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get I get questions all the time about the, "Oh, you have a degree, why didn't you commission?" Well, cuz honestly, the the route to go was would have taken a lot longer. Um, honestly, I'm glad I I'm glad I didn't commission because I've had a, a great time with with um, mentoring and and talking with guys that are just straight out of high school uh, that were kind of in the same boat as I was, just trying to figure out what to do with their life. So um, it's been a blessing. I've I've enjoyed every year. Are you? Uh, do you feel like you're ahead in life and when it comes to investing because of your military? I I think so. Um, a lot of times I'll listen to investing podcasts and 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 other guys talk, but they don't really talk about the amount of money they make or, or anything like that. Well, um, I'm sure you had to live in the barracks for a little yep. while too, but yep. um, I think I spent the first two years while my friends <laughs> that had graduated college were off living, buying houses. Uh, I was living in the barracks, making maybe $600 every two weeks, something, something crazy. Um, Cause I was a single guy then. And, uh, yeah. It, it, made me get even more serious about investing and budgeting and because I was like, man, I, I definitely want more money than this. And, uh, that over 
time, of course, has increased with BAH and uh, other special duty bonuses and stuff like that. But um, I learned very quickly how to set aside a certain percentage because I knew exactly how much I was making every two weeks um, and would just start automate automating that investing into a brokerage account or uh, a lot of the military guys have the TSP, Thrift Savings Plan. Um, I just started putting as much percentage of my paycheck into that as possible and just forcing myself to kind of live off the rest. And um, over those couple of years in the barracks, living pretty frugally, um, the investing had just compounded. And I would look at my accounts and notice, oh, well, all right, well, there's at the first two or three years didn't look like there was money in there, but now it's now starting, to get, starting to get noticeable. Yeah. You know, it's almost like negative reinforcement uh, because you weren't, you didn't have all this frivolous money you could just spend. And I know in the military, your time's pretty much occupied a lot of they try to keep you pretty occupied so you don't have a lot of downtime oh yeah but yeah the negative reinforcement of of man i need to save forced you to save. that's interesting and i'm wondering yeah. like so like a lot of the military guys that are hopefully some military guys are listening to this um tell us about some of the benefits maybe like you mentioned the va loan so how quickly yeah. did you use that so let's see i was in the barracks for the first two-ish years and i got orders to uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Um, at the time, my wife was pregnant. Uh, she was living back home in Mississippi while I was going through um, survival school and airborne school. And uh, I just told her, I said, hey, look, I have been reading about the VA loan. Find a house that you want to live in that's under 200 grand or whatever. And um, at that time, interest rates were very, uh, very nice compared to now. Um, and I said, I think we could afford $1,200 a month mortgage. So I have no idea how to buy a house reach out to the real estate agent and say, this is what we're looking for. Um, and the real estate agent worked real closely with a VA loan um, servicer. And it was extremely easy process. Because um, at that time, I had I really had no loans out. I, my truck was paid off. Everything that I had was paid off. And so they just saw my debt to income ratio as, hey, this is what he makes every two weeks. And his mortgage is going to be $1,100. And within a couple of weeks, we had closed on the house. And I put no money down. Um, there is a VA funding fee, which was a couple thousand dollars that they rolled into the loan. And boom, we had the keys to the house. So I, I tell every guy that I know that's in the military, hey, take advantage of the VA loan um, because you put no money down and you can have a house. Yeah, uh, it's it's incredible. About what year was that that you bought it? That was May of 2020. So no money down, 2.6% interest rate yeah. on a $200,000 huh? house. Yeah, it was. And it was a great house. We we got lucky. We're in a, a great area about an hour northwest of Nashville. So a great market. Um, just been very blessed by the housing prices increases as well as uh, this is a great place to rent um, our house as well. So Fort Campbell is a pretty big base and there'll be military uh, members and military families moving in and out all the time. So um, just a very, a very good move. Uh, our realtor hooked us up uh, through the VA loan and kind of walking us through that. But if, if we didn't reach out first, um, none of that would happen. You know, a lot of people are kind of scared to reach out and scared to, uh, they think taking on a mortgage is a lot. So they'll just opt to rent. And um, I would just encourage all, all young military guys, at least look it up and at least ask a lot of questions to older guys that have done it um, just because that's how you learn. You know, I, so I'm going back in my memory and I, I served at Naval hospital, Long Beach, Long Beach, California, and I lived off base with a gal that I met and I uh, thought we were going to get married. We ended up not, but um, we, we ended up renting and probably paying that much a month. And then we did buy a, a house. We put money down on a property. I'm not going to get into the details, but I backed away from it. I looked back and I thought, man, all of that money that I was throwing for rent, I could have been putting towards equity. And, you know, imagine, I think I was buying a condo back then at a hundred thousand dollars and it just seemed like so much money. And, you know, mm -hmm. for the guys that are listening to this, you know, you're just, it's your mentality of owning a home because honestly, sometimes you don't know where you're going to be in this next six months. So I would say, you know, look at your job that you have and is it fairly solid? Right. And that's the first thing I'd look at. The second thing is that when you go to a, a lender, ask them if they do VA loans, right? Cause not all, I don't think right. I'll do. So you got to have that. No. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then is your relationship that you're with, is that solid? Cause you don't want to not be able to handle it on your own if you're combining your incomes, but you were married. Right. Yep. Right. And then you got extra housing allowances because you were married. Yeah. Okay. 
So there's yeah, these so little incentives. That's that's always right. good. And then right. you bought you yeah. bought at a hot market too, didn't you? It was it was hot, but it got even hotter within the next year. Um, so I think our house had been on the market maybe eight hours and had <laughs> about twenty offers. Um, so I was just going into it blind, and it ended up working out. And and there was a lot of guys that um, have lived here since 2015, 2016 that have been renting the whole time that regret it. And then other guys, of course, that bought in 2021 that regret it now. So it's uh, it's it's hard to give advice for sure, just because we we can't predict the future and we don't know when the next crash will be or when prices will fall. But um, the majority of guys that that I know have have bought, have loved, and had a real easy process running it out um so we're i'm glad we did that for sure especially right now i don't know what the, the exact uh data point is but there's like quarter million or more million like backlog like people that want homes that can't find them and especially around right. a military base right i mean right there's a there's a it's like a steady flow of potential renters coming in every month that yeah this thing could be are you able to rent it? Like, are there restrictions where you're at? So you could, no, could, yeah, you could rent it. I, I could rent it. Um, I could, if I wanted to rent just one room out, um, there, there are no restrictions. Uh, and we just had to buy a house in Mississippi as well. And, uh, to get a loan for our new house, that's a, a whole nother thing, but I had to provide, um, proof of a tenant, uh, lease agreement, 12 month tenant lease agreement so that they would take this debt off, uh, and not count it towards the new loan. And, and I, I walked into my office one day and uh, said, hey, guys, look, um, I got to move out of my house in June. Would anybody want to rent it out at this price come June 1st? And the next day I had a tenant lease agreement. Wait a second. Get out of here. How old, yeah. how old yeah. are you? How old are you? I am 28. 28 years old. And you got a house that's now rented and you've got another house? Yes. Yes, sir. Yeah, I've uh, I've been very blessed. I think buying this house uh, was in the right direction. Um, yeah, yeah. Wow. We're we're very very blessed, very fortunate. Uh, God has God has been real good to my family, and um, can't can't thank him enough for sure for a lot of the opportunities. But well, was, I'm not going to take incredible. any away. I'm not going to take any away from God because He runs my life too. I mean, that is part yeah. of it. But I tell you what, I'm I'm hearing a parallel line there, in that you know God helps those who help themselves, or something to that effect, and. I hear mm -hmm. delayed gratification, um, a little bit of planning. You didn't know everything about every everything, and when it came to buying land, but you knew or a home, but you knew to stay low in debt and not waste your money and invest. So and start early. Right. I mean, the best. Right. I tell you what, man, the greatest asset you got, and I say this to all my nephews and all my young friends, is time. And you can't get it mm -hmm. back, and you got to get started early. So. Well, all right. all right. So that's a great story. And that's the basis of what I think we're going to get to next. So you went and you bought land and you are now a landowner as of September of 2023 or 2020, 2022. Yeah, 2022. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, yeah. tell us about that. So you were buying houses and a lot of guys never get to land. What made you go out and find a piece of land? So let's talk about that. And then we're going to talk about what you did with it so far. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the land, it goes back, um, back when I was in college at Mississippi State, uh, my mom's uncle had, he had about two to 300 acres and leased another couple hundred, um, from a lady that was about 30 minutes from Starkville, Mississippi. Um, and so on the weekends, I, I didn't really know him that well growing up. Uh, but my mom said, hey, look, you, you like to hunt and fish and uh, be outdoors. Uh, here's my uncle's number. Just give him a call. See if you can go down to his land. Um, so I gave him a call and he had me out there and I just fell in love. Being He lived on that, that acreage, had himself a, a little guest house and a cabin and his lifestyle of just doing kind of whatever he wanted to do out in the land, gardening, uh, planting food plot um planting persimmon trees oh yeah properties full of just gorgeous all that white fun oak. stuff oh yeah yeah and so i i fell in love with it and um in college that was my dream i was like okay well i, I don't know I'm, I'm not making a lot of money now i know that if i put a couple hundred dollars away each month um in an index fund that one day that that'll be enough for me to maybe buy buy myself a place uh so fast forward a couple years um i would look online uh i started on zillow and then i would go to uh, sites like Landwatch or um, nationalland.com just a, a lot of sites that had land not marketed towards 
hunting and and like other recreational stuff mainly just people that would hire a realtor take a few pictures of the land and then put it on on a site for rarely cheap um and so i just kind of come through that every once in a while just dreaming and then one night it was maybe nine o'clock on a Friday night and I was just watching like a Disney movie with my daughter and I saw one that was on the same road as my uncle's land and it was a 40 it was marketed 41 acre parcel uh and they took maybe three pictures of it from the gravel road and I had known that area just because I'd kind of been hunting there the past couple years and immediately I called the realtor of course it was 9 30 on a friday night so he didn't answer um and so i, I woke up 5 30 saturday morning kept calling kept calling um around seven he answered and he was like oh yeah sorry we already have a cash offer and i was like wow. <laughs> i was so upset i was like oh no this is my my one chance to get some land that's close to my uncle who he's got all the equipment i of course cannot afford any of that right now um but i was like okay well i'll i'll offer their asking price and uh, thankfully, in Mississippi, it is land is not as expensive as uh, a lot of other places. So this 41 acre parcel was going maybe about 12, 1200 an acre. Um, and I just said, OK, well, I'll offer asking price. And he came back six hours later. Hey, they accepted your offer. So wait a second. Uh, so let me pause here because <laughs> okay. they had you called them up and you were persistent. OK, these are all mm-hmm. like the little clues that I'm pulling out of what you're saying. Uh, right. I want to back you up even more. You were investing. So you had a residential home and then you bought another residential, but you kept the old one and you rented it. So now you had some passive income and. Okay. So not yet. Not yet. Okay. All right. I I will be renting this one out and uh, just started in in May. Okay. All Um, right. And then we just closed on a house in Mississippi in April. So this was, this was before I'd started getting that passive uh, rental income. Um, so All right. it was it was a little different, but I had a lot of money that had been compounding in my uh, okay. brokerage account that I was like, you know what, this is what I'm saving for anyway. So I may as well diversify and, and put a little money down on that and use that as a, as another form of investment. All right. So that's a good um, point. You can, we can pull out of this. Cause like the guy, yeah. the young guys that are listening to this are like, I want them to create this picture in their head that yep. you, instead of renting and giving your money to some other uh, some other person, you bought, and then the market right. equity started gaining, and you're you're, you're saving money, you're you're gaining equity, so your money's growing there. Um, right. You're paying down your mortgage, so that's right. growing, and then you start an index fund, and you did automated investing, so you had money taken right out of your your check every month without you having to do it and stuck into yep. this fund yeah and your that's, mind uh, now, now your mind is like thinking diversify diversify right and right. now you went into and land I, yep because i listened to one of your podcasts <laughs> you, you did i pay you to say about, that <laughs> no 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 i it, it kind of opened another train of thought in my mind where you use some of your land as kind of a, a means to continually grow your acreage or grow your farm size where uh, they, I can't remember exactly what, what episode it was, but I'm just, just an example. You had a 40 acre um, piece of property that you improved uh, all the equity in that you just sold and rolled into a bigger piece and yeah. a bigger piece. And then, um, so I thought about it that way. I was like, wow, well, I have this money just sitting in a brokerage account. I can take some of it out, use as a down payment um, on this land and then never have to touch my index funds or stocks ever again and either a stay with this 40 piece 40 acre piece that i grow to love or b use the equity in that one day maybe get a bigger piece mm-hmm. rather than dabbling into stocks or, or anything like that so kind of open open different um different trains of thought in my brain to be like okay well i, I don't have to save hundreds of thousands of dollars and uh, lump sum here and take it out and buy something else. I can use different avenues of investing to get different pieces of property that I want. Yeah. The story you're referring to, let me say this too. This is, I have to say this as a disclaimer, guys, this is an advice, investment advice. Don't do anything I've done as a matter of fact, cause it'll never work. Okay. I'm just saying, <laughs> but this is yeah. a story of what guys are doing. So take it as that you go to somebody's yeah. way smarter than me to ask for investment advice, but I'm telling you what my story is. This is what I did. So I did a 1031 exchange is what you're referring to. 
And right, I, I right. got, I actually, by the stroke of luck and God having his hand on my shoulder, I had a mineral company come to me and say, we want to buy your land. And I quickly said, really? Okay. Well, they want to use my land actually for, and they would pay me a little cash to run a pipeline mm-hmm. across it. But I said, well, I won't let you do that, but I will sell it to you. And they, I'm shortening the story up, but they said, really, how much? And I quit, uh, 1650 an acre. And then it took them about a day to go, yes. And I way undersold. Um, yeah. And if you listen to my land gate conversation, go back there. The value of my land wasn't, for them, wasn't the land value. It was what they were going to run across it. And it was 10 times, 20 times the money that they would make versus the scraps that they bought my land for. For. I literally probably could have asked a million dollars and they might've paid it. So, oh, wow. yeah, so that's, I, you know, so one people that is something that a lot of people don't talk about in land is it's not always this, like, you know, mama wants to know, what are you going to do with this land? And, and they, yeah. cause people, and a lot of people do that, you know, they, they look at it, it's just trees and you're going to go hunting and well, what's that for? I'm like, no, this is a savings account. Number one, I'm yeah. gaining equity. Yeah. Number two, I'm improving it. Number three. And I don't know what you got there, minerals or solar or carbon credits. We haven't even talked about that. All the things you can make right. money off it, but, but, um, all right. So you started thinking that's diversification. So you're, you're really at 28 years old, 27, 28, you're like, you're very advanced already in, in your, the way you are. And this is the kind of stories I like to pull out. So I'm going to shut up. All right. So tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) I just had to pull Uh, that out of you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yes, as you said, this is not financial advice um, at all. This is just something that uh, worked for me. Um, So I kind of had that in mind. And then I also, I I do a lot of reading on finances, different websites. And um, I saw that the average land price uh, over the past 30-ish years had increased an average 11 point something percent a year, whereas the S&P 500 was around eight, nine. I I could probably get those numbers mixed up, but- No, that's probably um, about right. Yep. And I was like, well, you know, I I would like to enjoy what my money is in. And then also, uh, if anything goes, goes bad, and I have to sell it for some reason, family issues or anything. I would, uh, I would like to have that money safe rather than something in the stock market happening and or stuff like that. And I, I also reached out to my uncle and kind of asked him about the land prices in his area since he had been there for a while. So I was very, very fortunate to, to have him. Um, but ended up, I was like, all right, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll buy this 40 acre piece of property and uh, went through with a, with a realtor. And it was, I, I realized that there is a, a, a niche market. Uh, for whitetail properties because this realtor, he drove up to the property, um, took a few pictures from the road, did not even walk around the fence line. There's beautiful, probably 25, 30 year old persimmon flat that are probably great for wildlife. I haven't, I haven't got to put any cameras up there yet or anything, but there's a lot of, there's a beautiful creek that ran through that weren't, weren't marketed. Um, just everything it just was marketed as a, as a raw piece of land. Whereas I, I know if someone went in there and took the time to clean it up and, and make it look nice like that, it, it would catch a lot of eyes. Um, so I, I immediately jumped on it, um, dealt with the realtor uh signed the offer waited on the sellers to accept the offer they accepted uh went through the process with the attorney to get the because there's no address um it's just a tax parcel id number um and got the deed everything like that and next thing i know i i I just have the deed in the mail and i'm like okay well i guess (laughs) i guess this is my my piece of property now um i'm a landowner now what yeah yeah, now, now what do I do? I, I guess I have to go out there and I, I didn't really know where to start. I, I, I It caught my eye because it is on a, a main gravel road and uh, there was power already hooked up to a tin shed out there. And so I was, I was like, okay, this is something that I that I can work with. I don't have to get a utility company out there to run power um, or anything like that. It's got, it's got road frontage. Was that power uh, listed on the, on the listing? Sorry, what was that? Was the power listed like it had power and was that mentioned? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that was mentioned, but that was about it. And I, I had been looking at a lot of white tail property listings and, um, this listing was very minimal and which is probably why the, the price was so low. Uh, and I was like, well, I, I haven't seen land for, for this cheap. I mean, of course, Mississippi is pretty cheap. Um, 
But I, I figured I was like, you know what? I'm, I'll get my uncle to drive by it. I, it was sight unseen for me. Um, but he's like, yeah, good, good piece of land. I've, I've been out here a while. I, I, I know the area. Um, I, I would do it. And so I, I jumped in and put the offer down, and they accepted. And now I'm, I'm owning the land. So it's man. Well, it's you, awesome you know what you so get far. for that? We haven't done this yet, but you know what you get because you're a new American land man. You get this. <laughs> ah, yeah baby because yeah. you did oh, something thanks, that thanks. nobody says is possible because i hear this all the time i can't find yeah. a piece of land it, i can't find anything to buy and so let me point out a couple things that i saw or i've heard that you you're do, that you did right in this number one you you got your mind that i'm gonna do this and you started looking because you started thinking this the idea of diversification at your age at sub 30 years old is like i never hear that and the fact that you were even thinking about that it was like wow you're like gonna do great things but when you started looking around this property you said there was like three piece three pictures of this property on the listing and they were kind of taken from the road. Right. All right. right. That every single time is a absolute, I'm getting in my truck and I'm going to go look because a lot of times they sit there, they don't look pretty and they don't really capture anybody's attention. And sometimes if you notice, I don't know if you even look this, but sometimes the days on market on those can be long. And what happens I think with a lot of buyers is the market's hot. Everybody's buying land and they're making a hand over fist and you can't find anything. But yet here's this three picture listing that maybe had a lot of, you know, above what you would think land would go quickly for. It might be 60, 90 days, which in the big picture, isn't that long. My, my, average time on market's like three to six months. That's very common. But so I tell people all the time, go out there and look. Cause I had this story and I think on my la on the podcast you guys haven't heard yet, I relayed the story when I was I was with the um I was actually talking to the acres.com people. It's a new sponsor that you guys are going to start hearing more about. Um, there was a property very similar that I got a call on from one of my buyer clients. And he said, hey, what do you know about this area up there? And what's the land go for? And I said, well, the tillable land goes for around three, thirty-five hundred an acre. And the non-tillable is probably two grand-ish maybe, and maybe a little less And at the time, because it's about five years ago. And I, he says, well, I, ha- I found this property up here and I wanted to see if you could tell me something about it. So one of the things I did is I, I was able to take a look at historical images that you guys need to check this software out. It's go to acres.com and check it out. Cause especially if you're, you know, buying land, man, if you want to buy some more, go to go there, you can use the basic service for free and you might want to upgrade. But one of the things that you're able to do there is you're able to look at the historical data. So you get these listings on Zillow and, and it's a realtor and they, they just don't sell land. It's just not their thing. And you, they don't want to go out in the woods of Mississippi because there's chiggers and rattlesnakes and all kinds of creepy crawlies. And they just, it's just not their thing. So they don't. Well, that's what happened to my client. This legal t- took photos from the road and she wrote in the description, fallow CRP wetland uh, mixed use hunting property as if it was, yeah, hunting property is a waste and you can't do anything besides hunt on it. And, but I stood on the edge of the road and I'm looking at this historical data that you can see on acres. And there was farm fields there at one point, like I'm looking at, I'm looking back a few years, like 2017, 18. And then all of a sudden 19, it didn't look, it looked different. And so I was able to look at that. And when I got to the property, I just got off the road and I walked into that field. And you know what I found? I found corn, like corn stalks laying on the ground. It was fallow. Oh, wow. Yeah. But it was, this was tillable ground. This is like one or two seasons sitting there fallow. It was a thousand dollar an acre more in value than what she recognized because she didn't get off the road. And so I called my, I called my guy back and I said, Hey, you need to go look at this. This thing is a, it's a cornfield or soybean field. If you bring it back to life, you can rent this or you can, this is worth a thousand dollars more as soon as you get, you know, corn planted on it. So when I heard you say that you only had a couple pictures that every guy, listeners, every time you see that, that's a tip, go look at that property. Just do a walk by, 
Hopefully you get an appointment so you can walk in there, but go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I totally agree. And, and, and my realtor, he, he was kind of an older guy. This was, uh, listed in the summer. Like you said, ticks, rattlesnakes, um, everything like that. Not so I could understand it was overgrown, of course. Um, but I was like, wow, this, they're all from the same angle. This is, it looked like he just stood and took pictures of one out of the 41 acres that was, that was listed. Never went out um, there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, I made the drive. I'm about six and a half hours from there, from where I'm stationed right now. I'm, I made the drive down there. I asked him, I said, Hey, do you, do you mind? Cause this was still in the process of the buy. Um, I said, Hey, I, I had my uncle kind of drive by there. Do you mind if I go out there and, and walk around? He was like, yeah, sellers are okay with that. Um, and I went out there and I just threw some, threw some boots on and jeans on and I walked the whole fence line and I was fortunate enough that there's a barbed wire fence that goes around it. And, uh, I, what other people probably see as trees and brush. I, I saw red oaks. I saw white oaks. Um, I saw a lot of blackberry, raspberry bushes, uh, that were overgrown and I saw persimmon trees. I saw deer tracks, turkey tracks, and none of that stuff was, was marketed. Um, and so I was like, well, you know what? This is, they don't really know what they have. Uh, so, and, and I want it. So wow. it's, um, I, and, Another thing I, I would throw out there too is I, uh, I I found the piece of property on Onyx and I looked at all the property ownership around it uh, just because I, I didn't want to be around a lot of houses. I didn't want there to be um, a lot of trash or, or uh, a lot of buildings or, around the land. And, uh, I saw a timber company owns about 600 acres that fits my piece probably on four out of the five sides. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, this is, this is nice. I won't have a lot of people in and out there. And then the guy to my east uh, has about 80 acres. And that's that's the only two pieces that are touching mine, um, which was another, which was another sign. I was like, okay, this is, I, I would like to move forward. Um, I don't know, just, just another thing to consider when you're, when you're looking at a piece, like uh, if you want neighbors and what, what those neighbors are like. Right. Well, let's talk about that, but first let's, Hey, can we take a break right here, Matt? And we got to oh, yeah. pay, we got to pay the bills and we'll, it will be right <laughs> back. Let's make a short break right here. Uh, get a word from the sponsors and then we'll be right back to the show. I want to introduce a new partner to the show and that is acres.com and acres.com is a software tool that I've been using now for a couple months and I'm really starting to enjoy the process, but acres.com allows me to stay informed with access to over a million parcels of property with local insights and sales data. I can see ownership data and view ownership, land names, addresses, acreage for over 150 US properties. And then I can share some really eye-catching reports with anyone that I want to send it out to by either downloading a PDF or perhaps printing it and taking it to a listing appointment. This really allows me to stay in the know and view nearby land listings around a property that I'm personally interested and find an oasis of opportunities and expand my own abilities as an agent and or a landowner. I also have access to over 12 million land sales. So the comparable property information is fantastic. And what I really like about this is I think in cost per acre, and it actually does the math for me with showing how much tillable ground, what the uh, fertility index is, how many acres, a lot of great information on that. And then I can claim these properties and create custom maps. So maybe even for my own farm at Indian Creek, I can find my land, I can put notes and icons on there, and then I can start mapping it. Well, I mapped my own personal property and I found these little problem areas by looking at the vegetation index maps. These are kind of like heat maps that show how productive my farm is. And I can actually see it year over year over year tracking either my own results on my farm or perhaps a farm that I'm interested just to kind of see how they've been managing it. I can further dig into soil maps and predict the potential of the farmland with over 20,000 soil types. I can see crop history over a year. I can just do all kinds of informational searches on the properties that I'm looking at or perhaps I'm listing and or selling as a buyer agent. So check them out, acres.com. It's about $300 a year for a prescription. You can start for free, upload your information, check it out, and then maybe get a subscription if you want to kind of crank it up a little bit but check it out acres.com we're glad to have them all right well you know so let's talk about some of those things so um i mentioned acres and uh, i've been using this software tool and one of the things i really like about it uh, is that there's multiple layers that i can start to poke around on these properties and really start to kind of hone in on 
a property that I'm going to target. And a couple things that you mentioned, um, number one is the neighbors. You know, I like to find these properties, Matt, that have, I guess it depends on what I'm looking at it for. If I'm looking to develop it, I might not mind having some neighbors and I'm looking at a property right. after this call, I'm going to go look out at it and I'm looking at it right now and it's got 20 acres and the the guy right next to it is uh, there's, he split his into two 10 acre parcels, but within like hundred feet is one, two, I can't even count how many Polk County land. There's like a ton of public land. So I like to see that. And so right. if you use, you know, Onyx is great. I like Onyx. Um, but this, these, the software like acres, the benefit there is I can see the other properties, what they sold for and when they sold and even when they bought. So I can maybe start to do some math and go, okay, well, that guy bought his land in 2015 at, and it'll say the price. And now these lands around here are selling at this price. And I can compare that to what I'm going to pay. And so oh, wow. sometimes, sometimes you just do the simple math and like, well, this guy's like, for example, like these 20 acre parcels, here's a good example. Um, I got a call from this, uh, seller and I said, I'll go out and look at it. What do you, what do you want for it? Like, what do you, what do you want? And he said, well, the cost per acre in that area is probably around, you know, 1500 to $2,000 an acre. So I figured 20 grand, 25,000. I said, okay. All right. Well, yeah, that that makes sense. Twenty thousand, twenty-five thousand. But do you do you realize that when you get these smaller parcels, um, and people ask me like, what's the cost per acre out in this area of Polk County, Wisconsin? I, I'll say uh, probably around forty-five hundred an acre, four grand to forty-five hundred. Kind of depends on you know where it lies and what it looks like, but. But when when you ask me that, if somebody asks me that, what's the cost per acre? I'm thinking forties. I'm not thinking small little parcels. So, two thousand yeah. or fifteen hundred dollars an acre would be what I would sell a you know a forty for maybe a Mississippi two grand an acre might be what a forty goes for. So a forty might be eighty thousand yeah. to two thousand acre. But when you start to get these smaller parcels, well, the cost per acre metric goes up. And the analysis, yeah. you know, the the comparable I always use is like my three acre lot that I live on here sells for one hundred fifty thousand bucks. So does that mean? That all the land around my in this area, like the farm behind me, sells for thirty three thousand or fifty thousand dollars an acre. No, that that land sells for ten grand an acre because it's bulk. It's like wholesale. So what I have to explain to sellers a lot of times and buyers a lot of times is the cost per acre metric goes up as the size of the property goes down. But right. a lot of people don't get that. You'd be surprised at how many people just go, well, my neighbor sold his at $2,500 an acre. I have two, 20 acres, so I'm at you know 2,000 an acre or whatever. They, they apply that same cost per acre metric. And so you can find, I don't wanna say you're preying on deals, but you're, you're watching people that don't quite get land. And sometimes their pricing strategy is really wacky. So- that's instant yeah. equity for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're totally right about that. And and there's so many metrics that, that go into it too. What kind of timbers on it? Um what what's contingent on the sales, everything like that. So it's yeah. it, it's hard. It it really is hard, especially for a new new land buyer to try to figure out all that stuff with, with minimal direction. So how many acres is this that you have? Forty seven? It it is forty seven. However, it was marketed at forty one. So it's another yeah. How'd that happen? On the, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I get the deed back and it says 47 acres. And I was like, wow, well, I would figure that they would have marketed it at 47 acres wow. rather than 41. But, well, um, you know yeah. what I do a lot of times just because I, I do see those discrepancies now and again, but like mm -hmm. I, I'm looking at acres right now and I'm looking at this parcel and it says it's uh 20.85 is what it says. But now I'm going to go to this other software that I use. Let me just get there real quick. This is, um, uh, it used to be called Map uh, MapRite, but now it's uh, ID Land ID or something. I'm rebranding it, but anyways, this one checks out. So this one says it's twenty point two, uh, yeah, twenty point three two acres. So not a big discrepancy. But the third place I would go if I saw something like that, like like Onyx is a great one. Everybody can get that. But if yeah. you have these other tools like Acres or Land ID, um, if you see these discrepancies there, I always go to the GIS. That's probably the first place. And I don't know if do you have like. WG Extreme, uh, like Clark County WG Extreme down in Mississippi. Do you have that source? Uh, not not that I know of, but I'll I'll definitely look it up. Okay, like for me, if I want to go to Polk County, I'll just type in Polk 
County, and it'll come up. It'll say WG Extreme, and then I'll click on that. That's the that's the uh, tax ID information right from the website of the county. That's usually my okay. first source. So, if, just as a as yeah. a as a beware next time around, if you're buying a property and you find these discrepancies, if it's in your favor, you might just keep your mouth shut. But go back to the tax <laughs> ID of whatever yeah. the county has, because I know when I do it, especially, did you get a survey when you bought yours? Yep. Uh, the the lender that I went to, the Mississippi Land Bank, uh, they had their own surveyor go out there. Okay. And um, yeah, he, he talked with the attorney and they had it in there with a tax parcel ID number as 47 acres. And I was like, wow, that's, <laughs> that's nice. So the listing had 40, the survey said 47. Did you share the survey with the buyer or the seller? Uh, they were in talks with the attorney and okay. they said, they said, yeah, that's, that's fine. All right. Um, and so they didn't yeah. try to upsell you cause you got an extra seven acres and they thought they had. No, no, they, wow. they didn't at all. I, uh, it was, it was two, two daughters and this was, this was their dad's land um, and they had just held on to it for a couple of years without even going up there or anything. So I, they were just ready to get rid of it. And we had pretty much gone through the wholesale and then that came up and they were like, you know, we've already, we're, we're already ready for, for the check or, or whatever. Yeah. And they just, they just let it go. So they're a motivated seller and you never know why. Yeah. But I tell people yeah, that sure. all the time because people ask me like, how do you how do you buy these properties? I'm like, I just find somebody that's kind of motivated, and you don't really always yeah. know why that they're ready. But sometimes they're just ready to be done with it and move on. And maybe somebody died yeah. and it's in a trust, or you got some like emotionally detached person. But man, I've never seen. Yeah. Well, up here, so we transfer based on PID number, product uh, property identification number. And if I don't, and normally I don't have surveys, I, I rarely have surveys as a matter of fact. And a lot of times the sellers don't want to pay for it. The buyers don't want to pay for it, or they don't even ask for it. I, I put on my offers to purchase. If I'm writing it up, I'll say seller did not provide a survey. Buyer did not request one. This property is transferred via PID number based on Polk County GIS as 23.32 acres plus minus plus minus. Cause I don't know what it is. Yeah, and this right. transfer will occur based on PID number, not based on uh, survey. So I make sure I write that yeah. because get this, I had a similar situation with some land that was selling at like $18,000 an acre right near me. And I didn't have a survey. We didn't offer one. He didn't ask for one. And I, but I wrote the offer to purchase up as this is, um, uh, XX 120th Avenue. Cause it didn't have a, didn't have a, um, an address. And the property is transferred as PID number, and I listed it based on GIS. Seller did not provide survey. Buyer did not request survey. Six months later, I get an email from uh, a lawyer stating that this guy went and had surveyed, and there was an additional, like, or there was less, like five acres less or something that he paid for. It wasn't 18-something. It was 13-something. And he goes, mm -hmm. you guys misrepresented. And I look, I said, man, what did I do? You know? So I went back <laughs> and I pulled the document and said, no, I didn't misrepresent. I said, it. there is no survey. You didn't ask for one. We didn't provide one. The GIS was my source of information. I never even mentioned acreage. I just said, this property is going to be transferred as PID number, whatever it was, XX 120th Avenue. And the lawyer agreed with me. He says, yeah, you didn't misrepresent. He says, well, you, he said, as an agent, you have a duty to know how many acres you're selling. And I said, I don't have a duty to survey. I don't surely have to pay for it myself. The seller didn't provide you one. He refused to provide you one. As a matter of fact, I don't think the seller asked or the buyer asked for one even. And so he, what his remedy was, well, I got 18 acres less or five acres less than I thought I was getting. Just give me five times $18,000. So give me, Ooh. yeah, give me like whatever that comes up to. Six, what is five times 18,000? Five times 18,000. Um, give me $90,000 <laughs> off of this oh, other man. Yeah. And my seller said, no, I don't <laughs> think so. So. <laughs> I guess the lesson to the young guys like you is when they transfer these, make sure you, you have a survey if you can get it, yeah. pay for a survey if you can afford it, or at least double check the taxes and make sure that if you're buying 47 acres, it's registered on the taxes as 47 acres. And then after that, I think it's kind of buyer's beware, but on X yeah. is pretty accurate. Acres is pretty accurate. Land ID, 
you know, these websites, they're all pretty good tools. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, um, it's funny you, you bring up taxes too, because, uh, I, I was nervous. I, I called the, the county courthouse where I bought land and I was like, Hey, I, I just bought this, this, uh, piece of property. Um, this was like right after I bought it in September. I said, Hey, I'm, I just want to go ahead and, and get the taxes. Oh, I'll go ahead and pay them, um, all this stuff. And the, the county was like, Oh no, since, since, since the sellers have had it this year, they they said they were going to pay the taxes for this year. Um, so I didn't think anything about it. I let it be. And it wasn't until April when we were closing on our house in Mississippi that I had to reach back out to get proof of how much the taxes were for that piece of land last year just to go into the servicing of the loan and everything. And the county said, oh, yeah, nobody nobody paid them last year. And I was like, okay, well, they were like, would you like to pay them? And I was like, yeah, yes, I would. I would hate to have the first year of me owning property not not even pay the taxes. Um, but I would have never known unless I, unless I called them back up to get proof. Uh, hmm. Just another thing to think about, which is, so, which is weird, but yeah. I'm glad I called. Taxes are obviously something that you want to know. Um, I just simply print the taxes off or give the PID to the buyer and say, just go to this website, and pull it up yourself. You know, buyers have to yeah. do some due diligence. I can't, don't trust me to do everything for you. Do you got to do some work, right. but, mm-hmm. um, um, I lost my train of thought. The taxes for us on our offers to purchase, there's a box and we usually, I, I don't remember exactly what it says, but it says net taxes. And what I, what it is, is you check that box and the taxes will be prorated up to the date of transfer. So if I, if you write yeah. an offer now and you're transferring on June 30th, the seller is responsible up to June 30 and they will pay that. And then you as the buyer are responsible for the rest of it. And in Wisconsin, it's always paid in the rears. So I would just, you know, as a buyer, I would just ask your closer, explain the tax situation. How does this work? And because it's different in every state, but um, yeah, you definitely want to make sure that they're on the hook. You shouldn't have to pay for taxes (laughs) that for land that you didn't own, I would think. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, it may have slipped the seller's mind or, or anything, but I would, I, I'm always just very paranoid that something's looming over me. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad that I, glad that I reached out again. And, um, they said, yeah, we haven't received theirs for that, that year. And I was like, okay, well, I own it now. So I'll, I'll pay that year just right. so I'm not, don't start off on a bad note. Well, we'll end this conversation with any other landmines that you discovered when you were doing that? any negative things about the property or was it, all puppies and rainbows when you went out there? Um, so it, it may not be a, a negative. Of course, nothing's going to be perfect. Um, but I, I remember the first time pulling up, uh, there, there was a couple of stray dogs that live, uh, down the road that, um, <laughs> As soon as I get out of my, my truck, they are pretty, pretty aggressive coming, coming at me. Um, and I was just thinking in my head, I was like, Oh, oh, great. This is going to be a bad, bad first impression with the neighbors if I have to do something because one of these dogs attacks me. Um, but they, they never went past the road or anything. And, uh, so that was all good. But that's honestly, that's, that's only negative. Uh, if you even call it a negative, I've had, I've had a lot of positives. So, uh, the first, first weekend, me and my dad actually went out there and, um, bought a, uh, a gate for probably from tractor supply and a couple of four by fours. And, uh, that was going to be our first project, put a little gate on there from the, where the road frontage was. And, uh, immediately first day I was out there, I had a guy pull up and he said, Hey, uh, I'll, uh, I'll buy this land from you. And, and I was like, well, that's, that's funny. I, I just bought it. Uh, so I'm, I'm not really looking to sell it yet. Um, and he was like, man, I, I live right down the road. We've been waiting on this piece of property to go for sale for motivated buyer. 20. Yeah. Yeah. He said, he said, when did they even get on the market? Cause I've, I've been trying to buy this piece of property for 25 years. And, um, I was like, man, I was looking late last night or the other night on, on landwatch.com or some land website. He was like, well, whenever you get ready to sell it, let me know. I'll, I'll buy it cash. And, uh, that, it was just a, a cool story just cause I had all the worry and anxiousness I went through during closing or, or if this was the right move or anything is kind of all, uh, just washed to the side. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm excited. I'm glad I did this. I know it's a good investment and I know there's, there's people that are always going to want, um, going to want land. So is the land for you a vehicle to familial wealth? Or is this something you want to buy and hold? Because a lot of guys, I'm never selling. And then this, your ship comes in with this guy and he's ready to buy this property and you could fix it. Now you didn't have to fix it. Just flip it and make, Yeah. is that not even on your radar at this point? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, 
it's hard to explain because I, I bought it for the fix up and flip and maybe make a profit and get get another piece. But as soon as I set foot on there, I was like, man, it, it feels good to, to just have your own your own piece of land to go and have your name on it bring your family out there and do whatever projects you want. And, um, so once I got it, I was like, I know it will increase in value. I know there's people that will want to buy it at some point. Um, right now, I'm just going to do what I can, plant some American plum trees, plant some persimmons, uh, just make it look real pretty, maybe hunt a couple seasons on it and, and see, if, see if my family and I use it like I think we're going to. And if for some reason down the road, we don't get to it as much or uh, other family obligations come, come up, then I may resort to... Uh, hey, maybe this isn't something that I could spend a lot of time with my family at like I would like to. Maybe I'll do what you did, 1031, to something that my daughters would enjoy more, maybe a lake house or, or something like that. Yeah. Well, are there trails out there? Yeah. There's a um, there's a trail that goes kind of like a fire break between my property and the timber companies. Uh, and then there's one trail that it's, it's pretty overgrown, but goes all the way uh, through kind of like diagonally cut the property. Um, but other than that, it is, it, it's a project. It is overgrown with blackberries and raspberries and perfect, perfect deer cover. Um, turkey, turkey habitat, a lot of, a lot of big white oaks. Um, red oaks and it, it's going to be a lot of work to put in some, some food plot uh, but for right now I'm, I'm pretty excited that I know deer have been living out there for a while uh, just because no one has no one's bothered them and they've got a lot of cover uh, there's some guys that lease out the hunting land or the timber company land and they hunt on it I'm seems like they they do a good bit of hunting out there so I'm sure that this is a little sanctuary and uh, I'm just trying to decide what to do next because I don't want to mess up everything but I also yeah. would like to throw in maybe a food plot here or there um yeah it, it's going to be a project for sure i think what you do so you already got a guy so make sure you keep his number um right. get, get a forestry mulcher and pay some guy literally it'll probably be a thousand bucks for one day and just walk mm -hmm. through there with your tracking on your app and walk around and figure out a logical path and stick to the outside of it and get a, a perimeter um trail in there so you can access and then maybe mm -hmm. if you can find some flats by using a topography map, make some small little openings and just have a forestry mulcher come in and open it up. So, I mean, the ability, yeah. the ability when you go to sell this thing. So I heard, I heard you're putting on a gate. So that's good. I would get a gate on there and, you yeah. know, a nice gate, you know, I'd say it's going to be relative to what you do to the property. You don't have to get super fancy, but a right. gate on there is nice. Maybe even name it. People think that's cool. And then, yeah. Um, if you want blinds, I'll I'll help you get blinds. I can have them shipped right to you. Just so you know, I, I'll sh I'll sell them to you at my cost, and I'll save you some money off of retail. So I would oh, check nice. out some Banks Outdoor blinds and put. You you don't even need the the huge ones like the big. They have a Sequoia model. I think it's eight by eight now. The four man are are nice. A three man is very adequate. Um, the two man is good for one guy and a rifle. I wouldn't use it for bow hunting, but so yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you want to do that, maybe consider sticking a couple blinds out there once you have your trails, but I get the trails in yeah. first. I create some openings. Um, I get some blinds. I'd get some cameras up. You can, yep. you can buy a water hole. If you, you said you have a Creek, right? Yeah. We got a, a nice Creek that runs right through there. Not, not very deep, but it's running water all the time. Oh, so. that's always good. I mean, yeah. Fig figure out a spot along that Creek that the guy could, you know, pitch a tent or maybe drive a trailer or something there and open up a spot and think ahead mm -hmm. of what you want the, the next guy to feel like, or think in his mind's eye, the moment he steps on this property, he's got to go, wow, yeah. this is all set. And then when you do this, you know, air fingers quote, uh, a turnkey situation. Um, that's what you want and then right. market it. And I'll, I'll, from what you're telling me with a Creek, especially if you did a little mulching, I'll bet you could move this thing 500, $750, um, per acre up for every 5,000 that you spend on improving a property. I'll bet you, you can get 10, maybe even 15, thousand back on it. And if you get a yeah. motivated guy like this, if he's an outdoorsman and you've set it up, man, that's, that's, that's perfect. And maybe that yeah. timeline of flipping's moved up. 
Just yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It, uh, I I didn't even I thought about maybe three to five years down the road, but as soon as I talked to him, I was like, wow, maybe this can maybe this could uh go by faster than I than I thought. And I I love going out there. I've only been a couple times just due to military obligations. But um, uh, like I said, I'm a young guy. I don't I don't have the money for for the equipment and stuff yet. But I've got took a chainsaw out there and um like if you can ID trees and ID trees that that wildlife will really like. Like I know those white oaks and uh, red oaks i've got some persimmons that were just all overgrown with um a lot of sweet gum uh and pine that they had planted on the property beforehand and uh, just something simple on the weekend i just went out and uh chainsawed a lot of those little saplings that were growing up around these persimmons and around these plums and um, other trees and just open up the canopy for them um something simple like that every now and then will probably go go a long way a couple years down the road yeah sounds like you're doing a lot of good things man well, what do you, so yeah. uh, can you, do you want to say what you bought it for and what you think it'll be worth if you sold it in two years? Oh, yeah. So, um, 40, 47, uh, bought it for 60, 60 grand, which is, um, very, very doable, especially if you do a 20, 25% down and I have a monthly payment of $300, which is not much. I, I know guys will spend two or three times that on a truck. Uh, and right. so I, I would like to at least go somewhere between 90 and 100 uh, after after fixing it up a little bit, just depending on how land prices go and stuff. But um, I don't know. I think that's that's what it would be worth. That's what this guy offered. Um, he right offered now. you 100. So, yeah. He he. I, after talking to him, offered 100, and I was like, wow, this is. <laughs> I, I may have to do this more often. I'd get a hold of the Whitetail Properties guy down there and write that sucker up. I tell you what, I'd take it. I mean, if you could, yeah. get, you could make 40 grand. Uh, it, without doing anything, I'd all day long, man. I'd do it. Yeah. But you're gonna want to let's so let's be smart about it. Do a 1031. So I I, I can get a hold of my guy. His name's Joe Deeker. And any of the Whitetail yeah. property guys can get you in touch with him. Joe can help you up with a 1031. And then you go out and you get an offer to purchase with this guy at a hundred thousand. Push it up. Say, I don't know, man. I you know, I was gonna keep it. I might sell it, you know, pick a number. I might sell it for a hundred and five thousand. If you if you if you want to do that, I'll take a hundred and five. Um, you might have, yeah. you're going to have short-term capital gains. If you wait two years, I think it is, you'll get to the long-term capital. So it'll be a little yeah. cheaper in tax, but you know, what the hell? And then um, do a 1031 exchange. So you get it, you get it, this thing closed and you got 45 days to identify three target properties to buy. And Joe or the other qualified intermediary holds your money. So don't take control of your money. Leave it in an escrow account with your QI, qualified intermediary. And then you have 45 days to identify up to three properties and you've got 180 days from the sale of that one to buy the next one. So there's these windows and, and there's like kind and there's a couple other things in there that, you know, Joe would talk to you or some other QI would talk to you about. But then you roll that up and that's how, man, that's how you, you create generational wealth. And along the way, sure, you get to hunt it, you get to use it, yeah, you get to have fun on it, yeah. but- you know, gosh, can imagine that if you did that four or five times, 10 times, you know, in the next decade or two. Whew. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's definitely fun to think about for sure. And keep your houses and rent your rent them. Buy, hold and never let go. But use these yeah. as these like ability to jump, you know, a big jumps at a time. And right. I just I like the, I like the fact that you're diversified. I definitely I mean, I'm in the market. I, I'm in the market. I have land. I have residential. I have waterfront property. And I've that's what I've done. That's just a mix. So, man, you're doing it, yeah. dude. You're doing it. Yeah. Well, I, I owe it to guys like you and, and other guys that I listen to on podcasts that kind of open the open the door in my mind to, to venture out and see like, hey, these guys are doing it. Why, right. why not I try to start it? You know? I know. It's not rocket science. It really isn't. So, No, you just got to jump. Right. All right, Matt. Well, hey, buddy, we're we're at about an hour, we're less than an hour. Um, you got anything else you want to add, real quick, and then we'll close it out. And you got to get back to saving the world because uh, China's knocking at our door. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that that conflict waits a little while before it happens. Um, but no, just it, everybody reach out to me uh, if you're if you're thinking about it. If you're a young guy in the military, if you're young in general, um, and don't know where to start. Uh, because schools don't really teach you, and I didn't really have anyone in my life that would that taught me any of this. I kind of had to go out and research on my own. Um, my number is six zero one five four zero eight six 
or you could shoot me an email at matthew.a.thomas17 at gmail.com. And I'd love to um, talk to any any guys that want to own land or stocks, investing, anything like that. I'm no financial advisor, but I can tell you what's worked for me and uh, point you in the right direction. Yeah, man. Guys and blogs and stuff that have, have taught me. That's what we're doing. We're passing it on and we're making uh, American landmen one acre at a time. And it's how it's, yep. a, it's a brotherhood for sure. All right, yeah. Matt. Well, yeah. hey, man, I am really glad you reached out to me. I, I really enjoyed this conversation and you're off to a great start. And I'm, I hope to have you back. I want to hear about your next property when you maybe flip this one and, <laughs> and let's talk about it, you know, when you get the next one done. Yeah, that would be awesome. Well, I really appreciate you having me on and, right, uh, man. and giving me some advice on, on what to do. It's, anytime. it's really helpful. I can't thank you enough. Yeah. Anytime. I appreciate you uh, listening and make sure you like, share and comment, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. Right, for buddy. sure. All right, buddy. We'll see you later. Thanks a lot. All right. Sounds good. See All right. Bye. Well, I love those kind of conversations. You know, he, Matt just reached out to me this morning as a matter, or last night actually. And we started conversing in this morning. I said, man, let's just get you on here and talk about this because this is exactly why we started this, this uh, podcast. Uh, this project's been fantastic and it's so good to have, hear the stories and especially from a young guy, man, he is doing so many good things that I wish I would have and did the same so much earlier so much earlier but starting out you know i think this is i think this is probably the best track for most of you guys that are looking to get into land ownership is start with a residential home get yourself a home uh probably get married single guys that tend to get married i think the statistics show that they they their their wealth is 10 times the ones that don't and you just get serious about life. And if you can start looking ahead and getting smart people on your side, like the next move of starting the automated investing, where that money is just taken out of your paycheck, even if it's just a little amount, and go find some simple mutual fund. You don't need a CPA or financial planner, but you know if that's what it takes to get you started, then go do that. Because I know that's what I did. You know, Money management isn't my thing. Buying real estate and land is my thing. I know that better than he, than my financial planner. And so it's a balance and you start to get a team around you. And then you start tapping into the right people. And if you have a passion for land ownership, find realtors that are also passionate about land ownership. You know, find a whitetail properties guy down by you because they're all over the place or just find an agent that you trust that knows land and, and you know, make sure you choose the right guy. But 47 acres, at 28 years old, two houses, he's military, he's doing it right, he's putting away money. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, guys. I hope you enjoyed that story, fantastic story. And uh, if you guys wanna be a, an American landman, I'd like to help you buy a property. Give me a call. A lot of you are calling me from all the United States. I'm connecting you with the next opportunity, a guy that can help you in your area. I know somebody where you're at absolutely can help you out. So give me a call. As always, folks, let's sign off with I'm Neil Hogger and I'm a land specialist with Whitetail Properties Real Estate. I want to be your guy in the land business. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the American Landman podcast. <laughs>